daddy bed. I'm hot for teacher. We thought we were done. We thought we were finished. We thought we would never talk about a movie minute by minute again. But we were wrong. Join us as we get to know the cast next door. Hello and welcome to the cast next door, where we love your mother's cookies. I'm your host, Michael Painter. And with me, for one more time, are my wonderful guests, Gina Radcliffe. Hello. And Lan Lerady. Hey, hey. And uh, on this podcast, we watch the wonderful film, uh, The Boy Next Door, uh, starring Jennifer Lopez and a bunch of other people, I guess. And we break it down minute by minute. If you want to follow along with us, we are watching Minute 20, and that is time code 19012200. Our minute technically begins with a split-second shot of the end of the previous scene, with Vicky looking really distraught at the ruined double date that we just spent the last three episodes talking about. And then we cut, and our minute begins in earnest, with J-Lo kind of walking around in what I assume is her living room? Yeah. Yeah, in in a black button-up shirt. And that's it. Pouring herself and drinking some red wine. That's most of what's happening in the scene is she's just drinking red wine. Yeah, it's raining. You've got that kind of like romantic, you know, er, er, erotic thriller music going on. I mean, I'm really surprised they didn't they didn't go the extra distance to make a saxophone music. Yeah, it's that it's that it's that kind of lazy dramatic music where it's just like random piano keys coming in every so often it, it, random it, it, strings it, it, coming in every so often and like a lady's voice softly going Ooh. <laughs> it's, it's it's the I'm, I'm very sad music honestly red wine is about the only thing that's going to fix the last couple of scenes for her anyway so well there are cookies yeah. out oh, yeah there are cookies and cookies out. yes i mean the whole cookies. thing kind of comes off as like a commercial for wine or something like that it's nice soft music and lighting yeah. and she's taking her hair down and relaxing on the couch. Did you just get hooked up on a double date with history's greatest monster? <laughs> Enjoy some red wine. Oh, man. It's, and, it is wine time. Yep. <laughs> Another observation just about this room, because, again, that's what happens when nothing happens in a minute as I examine the room. And this is, an, this is a thing I talked about on the previous set of minutes that I did, but... My God, the inside of Jennifer Lopez's house is so brown. Everything is brown. Yeah, I think that, like, I, I don't know. She's a very bland character. Like, she's always has, like, the, the you know, the, the like I said, they're, they're trying hard to make her look sort of, you know, mousy and understated. And, like, so, I, again, I mean, I guess you're supposed to think that, you know, that, that she'd be attracted to Noah's youthful vitality, even though she's supposed to be, like, what, maybe... 40 and they're like you know they kind of were like you know treating her like this sort of you know bland super you know super dull middle-aged lady you know who's you're drawn to this you know hunky young guy next door yeah old maid in hollywood standards well that's true that is true yeah and like i i'm not a person who knows anything about or even really cares about interior decorating but it's just this is a lifeless room. Every room in this house is so lifeless. Like every once in a while, you'll see like a, a flower in a vase or something, like just so there's some color. So you, just to remind you that theoretically human beings live here. Well, the but, the interior of her house and the interior of Noah's house look very similar. Like for when like in the next scene when he's calling her about this chicken he roasted, 
in the microwave, I think he said he cooked it <laughs> or something. I think and, he tried to defrost it and fucked up somehow. Yeah, and 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 he for a split second I thought he was in her house. And and like yeah. like he just brought over this frozen chicken and you know and that's why you know when he, when he calls her at the end of the scene, I thought that you know the scene smash cut to him being in her kitchen. Because the, these these houses they look exactly like on the on the outside and on the inside. Yeah, I, I think it's supposed to just be bland, completely interchangeable suburbia to tell the presumed target audience of this this movie as housewives like this could happen to you i even had the same problem like later in the movie too where where she's in his house and i thought for like a few minutes that she was in her house for some reason it was they do I, now that you mentioned it they do look really similar right and the decor is the same and and i mean you know that like you know the little grandpa or uncle or whatever he's supposed to be isn't going to have like these like you know, Raymore and Flanagan, you know, brown furniture and, you know, tasteful prints on the wall. He's going to have, like, you know, old Goodwill furniture and shit like that. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I, we don't really get much backstory on Uncle Bob, unfortunately. Did you but... Did you guys... Well, okay, you, you, Michael, you didn't see it, but, Lan, did you... Just were you surprised to see that he wasn't dead? I like, was. Yeah, I, I assumed that. I assumed that maybe about like when around the time when he, I think that happened before this. Well, yeah, it must have been because he wasn't there when she was in the house. But that he had said that the the uncle was like in the hospital. I'm like, oh, he's probably you know in the freezer in the basement, and she's gonna find him later. And and then like he just appears like literally out of nowhere like later in the movie as like a fake jump scene. Well, I mean, he we, we he they can't kill Uncle Bob because. Well, partly because Uncle Bob's the best character and they all know it, but partly because, like, that would have been something interesting, and that is something this movie really shies away from. That's true. And speaking of uh, completely uninteresting, so we get this really dramatic music as we get a quick shot of a shot of, like, a plate with three and a half cookies on it. Yeah, I don't know who who wraps up a plate with three cookies on it. Yeah, and, and it's not even wrapped. Like, it's just been... It's been unwrapped and left unwrapped. I guess the implication is she's been eating the cookies. Yeah, I think she. You're supposed to assume she's just been sitting there power eating the cookies since she uh, since she got home from this terrible date, which is totally understandable. Well, she had to skip dinner. Yeah, because she, she didn't. All, get... she had, all she had was soup. Just soup and cookies. That's 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 a meal right there. Soup, cookies, and red wine. That's and uh, wine. That's that's how you that's how you get a body like Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> Baked goods play a big weird part in this movie. <laughs> like, I mean, she's constantly baking stuff. And, and again, I mean, I don't know if this is supposed to be some kind of half-assed attempt at developing the character, or again, the the you know the screenwriter's idea of what a you know boring suburban middle-aged woman would do. What what do boring suburban middle-aged women do? Well, they they bake all the time. It's like yeah. it's only her and her son. She does not need to be constantly baking pies, baking cookies. Just just you know, the, the, every every meal they have, there's some kind of comment about she's baked something. Nobody bakes something. Every night. Yeah, well, a lot of this, this this movie seems to be, like, a coldly calculated, like, cynical, like, some guy's idea of, like, well, okay, what do suburban moms like? Right. Everything I, just write out a list of everything I can think of that I think suburban moms like and put it in the movie. I'm, I'm, honest, I'm honestly surprised that there's not, like, a quick shot of her sitting there reading Fifty Shades of Grey or, or something like that. I mean, we all know, of course, that Jennifer Lopez is the typical... Middle-aged working mother, of course. You know, be completely plausible in that role, but... Mm-hmm. But, like, well, she she loves the classics too much. She wouldn't, she wouldn't be reading Fifty Shades. 
because it's just because it's new, not necessarily because it's bad, and it it is bad, but like she she wouldn't be reading it because it's nope. been written within the last I don't know three hundred years. Vicky would be totally pushing Fifty Shades on her. You know this. Oh my God, would she? If I'm not mistaken, though, I have some surprising information, and if I'm not mistaken, and I'm trying to fast forward through the credits here to find out, I believe this movie was written by a woman. I think that you're right. I do believe it was. Oh wow, I'm. I'm honestly shocked to find that out. Directed by, I'm a, not gonna lie. by a woman. Yeah, she knows she knows the audience she's trying to play to. So you yeah. got to give her got to give her credit for that. Yeah, but what I was going to say is not only is Vicky absolutely pushing 50 shades on Claire, uh, Jennifer Lopez's character. I keep having oh, to definitely. remind myself that that's the character's name. Um, but she's def she's definitely talked Ethan into trying some things. Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah. that book like but that book too, is not a good weird. guidebook on how to do S and M, but she will assume it is. Nothing too weird, though, and, and she's only buying the Fifty Shades of Grey branded, you know, blindfolds and you know the stuff you can buy at Target. There is nothing in this minute to talk about. Okay, no, well, actually, no, there's no. there's one thing. There's one yes. thing. There is a weird thing on the end table next to the couch that Jennifer Lopez is sitting on. I have no idea what this thing is. I, mm. it, it looks like it might be a statue of some kind. You're it, it's, right. I'm- it's um, vaguely humanoid shaped. I don't know. Probably can't a make it out. Yes. sculpture of some kind. We are missing the one, the what? Yeah, the one key point. The thing yeah. that actually happens in this scene is that that she picks up one of that half-eaten cookie and sniffs it. She takes a yeah. very thoughtful sniff of that cookie, and you know, and you know, calling back to you know the scene where Vicky is basically taunting her with stuff that the the husband Garrett said to said to his that she he said she emailed he emailed this to her or i don't i don't know how she found out that this is what he said to his secretary that she smelled like chocolate chip cookies and i have to wonder what does that mean i mean does that mean that her body smells like chocolate chip cookies or a specific her perfume maybe or, like or, or a specific part of her body smelled like chocolate chip cookies because i don't know i don't think that's possible but I mean, I mean, I, know I mean, if if it is like if there's an ode to chocolate chip cookies, I would wear it. Well, you can that's get an amazing like, thing to smell you, like. You can get like body lotion that smells like chocolate and all. But I mean, I feel like the way Vicky said it is that it was meant to be like like kind of sleazy and sexual. And it's like, okay, I mean, is she smelling this cookie to get an idea of what the secretary smelled like? Because that's a little weird. I, I, don't, I don't know. And, and the thing is, like, that that's a big misconception that this movie has. Like, cookies aren't sexy. No. Now, I, I love nope. cookies. I'm not, I'm not going to speak ill of cookies in any context. They are one of the best foods there are. But they're not sexy. No, and, and, and it's, it is used as a metaphor several times. I, I, I envy the, the, the people who get the minute in which... Noah says the line that you know everybody who is even remotely familiar with this movie knows, which evidently the actor ad libbed that, which which is uh, which is <laughs> hilarious. But um, but yeah, I don't know why of all things baked goods are, are were repeatedly used as some sort of you know m- metaphor for female genitalia in this. I got nothing. <laughs> I, yeah, I have no way to respond to that. So J Lo sniffs the cookie and then she. She kind of like throws it back onto the plate, like kind of aggressively. I don't, I don't know why. And then uh, her cell phone rings. And of course, because you know it, it, it's in keeping with the you know bland, you know personality-free characters in the movie. It's just that generic telephone ringer. Well, actually, that- no. It's 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 like a. It's, it's like a bell, like a but it's phone, not like yeah. a. It's not like a. But it's not like a bell like a phone would have. It just seems like a random bell. It's kind of strange, like a, like a really old fashioned kind of phone or something with an actual yeah, like, like bell in it. 
Yeah, like, 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 like an of. old-timey movie when someone's ringing a dinner bell. Like, that's that's the sound that, that I was hearing. And then the, 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 the course of the scene ends with Noah just standing there with, like, an entire chicken, like, big enough to feed, like, ten people, and just kind of, and, you know, and then, and, then, and then the scene just ends. Well, Jennifer Lopez says hello into the phone. That's important. Well, she looks kind of like, <laughs> you know, like, like she knows who's, I mean, I guess she has Noah's cell phone number in her in her in her address book i don't know why she would have her her son's friend's number in her but she kind of looks at the phone and like kind of makes this like you know why is this guy calling me look on her face and you know and then she goes ahead and proceeds to answer it anyway well i don't know we we've we've already seen that she's been she's been tempted so well yeah but i mean again why would she have his number i mean for one thing he's right i mean as the title is he's literally right next door you know, she could stick her head out the window and say, hey, you know, if he, if he had trouble you know, defrosting his chicken or whatever the hell he was doing, he could have come over and knocked on her door and said, hey, help me with this chicken. That's, that still seems kind of weird, though, to ask uh, a neighbor for cooking advice. Maybe that's just me. I well, don't know. Well, I mean, I, you're supposed to get the impression that this incredibly handsome young man has no one else in this neighborhood to hang out with but, like, a 15-year-old and his 40-year-old mother. And, and I mean, as we see, this is an elaborate seduction plan, so there's that. Yeah, I mean, I think that it just needed it once again to establish that, you know, she was lonely and vulnerable. I mean, that, that music was just, that's basically, you know, lonely and vulnerable theme, number 101. I mean, we got more shots of Jennifer Lopez's legs, which is always nice. We get a lot of that in this film. Yeah. But... <laughs> Yeah, just, wow, whole lot of nothing. Yeah, for a movie that, you know, posits that she's just this regular, you know, kind of, you know, buttoned-up English teacher, she the, you know, the movie spends a lot of time, you know, making her look as effortlessly sexy as possible. Yeah. Which, in fairness, Jennifer Lopez is pretty effortlessly sexy, but... Yeah, she, I mean, I personally think she looks a lot better in this than, than she does when she's all done up for awards show and all. But, of course, that's, you know... That's the hilarity of Hollywood's idea of what a, you know, you know, plain-ish, lonely, middle-aged woman looks like. And it's not even like she's wearing, like, plain clothing or anything. Everything she's wearing in this movie is still really fashionable. Yeah, right, but she, you know, she, you know, her makeup, you know, is understated. You know, she's got that kind of, you know, casual bun and all. And she still manages to look better than, you know, pretty much every other woman ever. So that's about it for, for this minute. And I'm actually surprised we got as much time out of it as we did. So... <laughs> Before we go, since this is the end of our week together, do you ladies have any other random thoughts about the movie as a whole, about the actors, about, I don't know, the weather? How are, how are you feeling? <laughs> I, you know, I actually enjoyed this movie more than I thought I would And in retrospect. I mean, I, I'm not going to say it was a good movie because it's definitely not a good movie, not, not in the slightest. But it is... It's difficult to say because I mean there is a lot there's you know there's you know you know violence against women and you know there's an attempted rape and there's you know there's a lot of you know, iffy scenes in it but it was I think it enter- it was entertaining because it reminded me of a lot of the 80s and early 90s late night cable fare like like just the really cheesy. You know, like silk stockings and right, stuff like that. Right, and like, yeah. you know, the erotic thrillers with like, you know, the sexy psychiatrist who, you know, gets involved in a dangerous game with the, you know, with, with a, uh, with a volatile patient. And it just, it, it, it had that feel to it. And I sort of feel like that was, 
I want to think that that was intentional, but I all, at the same time, I sort of think that the people who were making this movie were taking it very seriously. That seems to be the movie's biggest problem, is it, it thinks it's way better than it is. Right. And if it was aware of how cheesy it was and, like, leaned into it, we could have had something really nice. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much my thought on it. I think that if it... Uh, stayed as crazy as it does as it starts getting towards the end uh, throughout the entire movie, or at least through most of it, that it would be a lot more uh, enjoyably bad, but instead it's just sort of uh, boring for the most part. Well, yeah, I mean, it's... (laughs) With pockets of fun crazy. Yeah, the payoff is that it gets really super violent towards the the end of the movie. And it's like, it, it, it... it does not indicate at any point earlier in the movie that that's going to happen. And, and it, it's just, you know, yeah, I mean, if the, if the tone of the movie had been like the last 10 minutes, it, it, I don't know, again, I don't want to say it would have been great, but I, I think that they were trying to make a really classy thriller for adults and then figured, well, you know, we're not really going to hold the audience's attention with, you know, JLo sitting around her, her, her living room looking sad. So we're going to put in this like, really ridiculous, you know, you know, end scene where a guy gets like an EpiPen jammed into his eye. And you see, this is why you got to watch the rest of the movie, Michael. There's a character that gets an EpiPen jammed in his eye. Okay. I've got that to look forward to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So how about, how about you, Lan? What you got? Um, well, well, pretty much what I said, like, I, I kind of wish that it would just, uh, had taken the bull by the horns and been a little more on the crazy side and, and stayed that way, but, uh, I mean, honestly, I've seen worse. I've seen a lot worse. I've seen better, but I've seen a lot worse. Yeah, I think that if you do, like, a, like, if you try to do, like, a MST3K thing, you're gonna have a lot of, a lot of dead air, because it, it, it you know, for, for every, you know, one or two really off-the-rail scenes, there's a whole lot of nothing. There's, there's a whole lot of staring at the room and, and asking questions about a statue on the right. table. <laughs> so I think that's it for this minute and for this week. Once again, thank you both uh, for joining me on this magical journey through four minutes of a mediocre film. Thank you. This was, this yes. was, uh, was delightful. Couldn't do it All alone. Right. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't want to do it alone. <laughs> Good Lord would not want to do this alone. So uh, before we go, any plugs? Um, well, I have a, uh, a blog dedicated to 70s and 80s television. That's at Tumblr. It's tuneintonight.tumblr.com. Um, and I've also uh, got my own Tumblr, but it is for drawings on occasion, and that is Hellglass, and that is also the name of my Twitter. And I also forgot to mention in the other few episodes uh, that I am also on a talking cast for, I think, four or five episodes, uh, spattered throughout, starting, I think, at episode 48 and on up. I don't remember all the numbers offhand, but just look for my name. It'll be there. Yeah. All right. And, heck, as, as if you needed another reason to go back and listen to a talking cast. It's, exactly. It's really mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. Check that out, folks. And uh, and you can find me on Twitter at T-D-O-T-C-R-F-H-4 or on the Power Rangers rewatch cast, Teenagers with Attitude. We just got rolling, and it's, it's a good time. And that's about that. Thank you for joining us, folks. This has been The Cast Next Door. It's been Minute 20. And I've been your host, Michael Painter, and on behalf of Gina Radcliffe and Lan Lerady, thank you for joining us this week, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Adios. 
Thanks for listening to A Talking Cast Presents The Cast Next Door. I was your host, Michael Painter, with my guests, Gina Radcliffe and Lan Larady. Like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at First Ed Iliad. You can download new episodes from thecastnextdoor.wordpress.com or subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher. Artwork by Josh Hollis, edited by Darren Husted, produced by Darren Husted, executive producer, Michael Painter. The Boy Next Door is owned by Bloomhouse, Smart Entertainment, New Yorkin, and Universal Studios. No infringement is intended. Copyright 2015. All rights reserved. This is a first edition?